Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father, thank you for your grace to us uh, this day and this uh, past year. We're thankful that uh, most of us have made it through this difficult pandemic without any serious problem. We pray for our friends who have had difficulties and are having difficulties and others uh, in our congregation who are suffering various physical problems and difficulties for Danita, we know, and uh, for Hugh and others who uh, who are having physical problems. We, we pray for them and we sympathize with them and we trust your healing hand will be upon them. Pray for the raps uh, and uh, also for uh, uh, Joe and Glenn uh, as you know they lost their father. We know these are difficult times when we lose loved ones. So we pray for them also that you'll give grace and strength to them. Pray you'll help us in our class as we try to understand this book. And hopefully this will help us in our own individual Christian lives to, to love you and to serve you in a greater way in this coming year. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I should have, uh, should have muted you. Let me just mute you here. Let's see if I can uh, mute all. Okay, I'm going to mute everybody here and then I'm going to share that screen again. So this is 2 Corinthians, the glories and responsibilities of Christian service. And uh, we will start with an introduction into the book. And um, the first thing we're going to talk about is authorship. And it's not anything secret about it, obviously. It's pretty obvious because 2 Corinthians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is one of Paul's epistles. And uh, we're very familiar with Paul, the apostles, and so forth. Uh, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament uh, that he signed, that he said he was the author of. And this is the generally accepted order in which they were written. So they're not in our Bible in chronological order. They're in our New Testament basically, primarily based upon length. So Romans, you know, follows um, Acts because it's the longest of Paul's epistles but Romans comes number six um, in order, but it's the first one. And then we have the Corinthian epistles because they're the next longest ones and so forth. <clears throat> but as far as chronology is concerned, uh, it looks like Galatians was the first epistle that Paul wrote. And he wrote that after his first missionary journeys. Remember in the, in the book of Acts, there are three missionary journeys, three main journeys. The first one begins in Acts 13, Acts 13 and 14. And uh, Paul leaves from Antioch. That's sort of his home base, home church, you might say, and goes on his first missionary journey, primarily the Cyprus and into the area, the Roman province of Galatia, which is in Turkey today. And, uh, he returns home and then he goes to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15. And then in Acts 16, he goes on his second missionary journey. And um, 
that's where he uh, he goes uh, back to Galatia, and then he goes over to Macedonia to Philippi, all those places: Philippi, Thessalonica, uh, Berea, Athens, and Corinth. And that's where he writes first. Then he he eventually writes First Thessalonians, Second. First Corinthians and then Second Corinthians. So we'll look at the chronology here in just a moment, or how that works out. But so Second Corinthians is the fifth epistle, and it's written on the third missionary journey. And so I'll talk about that in just a moment. These are approximate dates. Around fifty-six is the date, and uh, I'll explain more about that as we go along here. Now this is what uh, the area looks like today, the Mediterranean area. I just wanted to kind of show you that because over here is Turkey and a lot of, a lot of uh, Paul's missionary time was spent what in what is now the country of Turkey. Uh, this is where he went on his first missionary journey down to Cyprus, then up into here into the central part of what we call Turkey. This is Galatia. And over here is the province of Asia. And then over here is Greece, Thessalonica, Philippi would be up here. Athens, Corinth is right down here on this little, this peninsula, the Peloponnesus here. So this is Greece today. This is Turkey. These are the main areas, of course, Jerusalem down here where Paul was. This is what it looks like uh, in the ancient world. Uh, same area here. And we have, these are marked as, marked off as Roman provinces here. These are some of the major cities that we're familiar with. Here's Jerusalem, of course, and then Antioch, where Paul uh, really starts his missionary career, Acts 13. He and Barnabas leave and go to Cyprus and then up into Galatia. Then his second missionary journey, <clears throat> they leave and go into Galatia and over Troas, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Ephesus, and then back down to Jerusalem. Uh, and then back to Antioch. Then the third missionary journey is right back to Ephesus. That's where we'll, we'll be talking about. So these are the major cities. We, we know about Philippi, the Philippian epistle, the Corinthian epistles, the Ephesian epistles, Ephesus here. Spent, Paul spent three years here in Ephesus and so forth. So there's the map. There's Italy, of course, and so forth. Here's Corinth. Uh, we're concerned about Corinth mainly here. And uh, you can see that it's almost an island there. There's a little piece of land, an isthmus, as it's called. We used to talk about the isthmus of Panama. The isthmus here um, is right here. So it's almost cut off from the mainland, except for this narrow isthmus here. Uh, Paul travels from Athens uh, to Corinth from an Acts 17 is in Athens. He goes to Korea, then Athens. We don't know whether actually he went, but there's a mountainous region here. We don't know whether he went by ship or came along maybe the coast here, how he got there, but he did go from Athens to Corinth and, and wrote two epistles, uh, two canonical epistles, but probably about, at least about four that we'll talk about. So here's what uh, Corinth looks like. Here's the major city of Corinth. Uh, you can see on this map here, here's the 
this peninsula of Peloponnese here. Um, here's Athens over here. And uh, Corinth is the major city. And then there are these sort of suburbs, Lechium, which is the port here into the Corinthian Gulf. So here's the Gulf of Corinth, which flows over to the Aegean here. Uh, out here, we're, we're in the, you know, the Mediterranean. So if we look back at our map here, you can see that uh, here's the Mediterranean and here's the Aegean Sea. And this whole area is, is populated quite a bit. The Greeks uh, had colonies over here. This, this, is, this is very a very populated area here. All kinds of trade and everything's going on between here and here. And then over to Italy, of course. Now the ancients were fearful of, of riding out here on the Mediterranean Sea because they didn't really have any way to know what the weather was gonna be. I mean, the weather is, is flowing from from the west to the east here, you get out here and you get out here like Paul did one time and he, and he got blown out from Crete. He was trying to get over here and he got blown in, you know, almost over to Africa here and that shipwreck ended up, you know, shipwreck here at Malta. But so this is dangerous. So what they would do, they would come up along here and travel along the coast and come along here and they'd actually stop here at Corinth and so forth. So. Uh, this is a major trading area here, Corinth is. And so you've got these ports of Lechium here and Sincrea. So if you're going, if you're here to the Corinthian Gulf and you're going over to Italy, you, you know, come this way. If you're coming in, you know, from the east, you come into Sincrea here. There's a little city called Isthmia. We'll talk about the Isthmian Games here in, in a moment. So Corinth is a real important trading center. Uh, a real important uh, place where people came through and, and traveled and so forth, this, the city of Corinth. Here's what it looks like. Uh, here's that Lechium here the, to the Gulf of Corinth. And here's Sincrea uh, out to the Mediterranean and so forth, to the Aegean over here. And uh, this is this isthmus we, we're talking about. It's kind of shortened there by the way the photograph is, but this is that little isthmus across here uh, that prevents this from being an island, the Peloponnesus from being an island. And uh, here's the city of Corinth. Uh, so here's Lechium up there to the Corinthian Gulf. There's a road, that, a Roman road up there and Roman roads here. Uh, this road is really visible. I'll show you how it's really still, main, still preserved today. And there's a large mountain here, Acro Corinth, which is at the cities at the right, the, the ancient cities right at the base of this mountain, Acro Corinth. And then there were roads to the various suburbs here, uh, Corinth being the major hub. Um, so here's a view from Corinth looking up to Acro Corinth. There's a structure up there now, that's a medieval structure. There was an ancient temple up there we'll talk about, but that's not it. That's just a, a medieval structure. Uh, that, but here's the ancient Corinth here, the remains of ancient Corinth. Um, as I say in your notes here, uh, a city of uh, city is, is almost an island, that narrow isthmus I talked about. It's about four miles wide. Um, and this is the mountain, about 1,500 foot here is Acro Corinth. Um, 
that we're talking about. So here we're looking from Acre Corinth down at the Corinthian excavations. This is the Gulf of Corinth, Lechim over there. So here's some of the things that are still preserved, a theater way over here, the Temple of Apollo, the road up north to Lechium, the Forum here. Here's a closer view of the Temple of Apollo here. <clears throat> here's a road. Here's the main part of the city, mostly destroyed here. Of course, modern, built all around it. Here's what it looked like. Uh, we believe in ancient times, there was an agora or a marketplace, a forum as the Romans called it, with shops along here. Some of this still remains. A temple, uh, Temple of Apollo here, a very large temple and other things uh, have been excavated. Here's the Temple of Apollo and Acre Corinth. This was, this temple was built about 600 BC and suffered you know, devastation through the years. Um, here's some of the remains. This is the road uh, going to Lechium up here. So we're looking kind of uh, west here. And so what you have remaining is just the, you know, some of the walls of these shops, the foundations and some of the walls. Here's a mosaic that they uh, have uncovered there at uh, Corinth. These are some of the shops that were there, uh, Corinth. If you walk along the stones here, you can see still engraved in the stones advertising for various shops and services and so forth are still there. Here's what, uh, you know, Second Corinthians we're, we're, we're famous for, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, the Greek word for that is bema. We'd sometimes say bema in Greek, they, they pronounce it bema, but the bema or the bema, the judgment seat. And this is where uh, people were brought sort of the court for judgment uh, before the um, proconsul. And so Paul was brought here <clears throat> in Acts chapter 18. Paul establishes the church at Corinth, but then he gets into some trouble with local authorities and they bring him before the proconsul Gallio. And this is where he'd be brought. This is what's left of the, of the, of the, of the, of the place of the courthouse sort of arrangement, but it would be a kind of a public stand here where public uh, trials or uh, decrees were given. Um, so we're looking here uh, at the history here. I'd say here, the Romans, I'm looking at B under the city of Corinth. The Romans plundered and destroyed Corinth in 146 BC. Um, those of you who were in uh, the Between the Testaments, we talked about how that uh, this area, of course, was controlled originally by the Greeks, Alexander the Great, 300 BC. But eventually the Romans be became a big power. And in the second century BC, they moved in and took over Greece. Now, eventually in the first century, we studied, they came down here and took over Judea. <laughs> you know, uh, Pompey came down and uh, took over in the first century BC. But, but uh, in the second century BC, they, they conquered Greece and Corinth resisted. So they made, them, made an example out of Corinth and they totally kind of destroyed Corinth in 146, 
Julius, uh, Romans did. In 46 BC, Julius Caesar had the city rebuilt as a Roman city, Roman colony. And in 27 BC, Augustus uh, made it the capital of the province of Achaia. So I don't know if you can see the line here. There's kind of a blue line right here. This is the province of Achaia. And up here's the province of Macedonia right here. Here's Thrace up here. So Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, they're in the province of Macedonia. Corinth, Athens are in the province of Achaia. And Paul will mention that in the Corinthian epistles. He's writing to the Corinthians and other Christians in Achaia. Um, let's talk about commerce here um, a little bit, commerce. Uh, I say because of its location, Corinth was the center of commerce between the mainland and the Southern Peninsula, as you can imagine. Sparta is down here, all kinds of important cities are down here. And you gotta come through Corinth if you're going up to the mainland up here. Uh, you know, that's just, the, that's just the way it is. If you wanna travel up through, you gotta come through Corinth. So it's quite an important uh, city in that sense. Um, I say it commanded the trade between Asia and Italy. Now you say, well, how, why, why would that be the case? Well, it's what I talked about. They don't like to sail. You think if you were just gonna sail from Jerusalem or you know, Tyre or Sidon, you just, well, let's just travel out here and get on over there. Well, <laughs> they were fearful. So they'd travel along the coast mainly and travel up this way and come over here to Corinth. Um, and as I say, um, so they, they had these ports of Lechium, important, Sincrea, and of course Lechium leads over here to Rome. Sincrea leads uh, back to Asia, uh, you know, this way, Sincrea is back here, uh, Lechium, leads over here to Italy and everything over there. Um, so um, I'll show you a little more here about this commercial aspect. Here's this road. So Romans built some great roads here, headed north. So you had this major road for travel and commerce leading north to the port of Lechium if you're going to Italy, uh, as we said. Um, here is, uh, so here's Sincrea down here, and uh, here's uh, Sincrea here. Now we talked about that isthmus there. You can see that line there, that's the canal. So the Emperor Nero actually started to try to build a canal through there so ships could pass through, but it never was completed. But it was completed in modern times, and there is a canal through there today, and that's the entrance, and I'll show you some pictures of that uh, canal. But this is where Paul would have sailed into Corinth from if he came by sea. And he certainly, he left that way to go over to Ephesus. So there it is, uh, Corinth, Ephesus over here, you'd come by Sincrea. There's the canal, <clears throat> the modern canal today that you can travel through, through the isthmus there. Uh, begun digging in the 6th century BC, but wasn't completed to the late in the 19th century. Now, 
Now, what is this here? Well, so they didn't have a canal. So what they would do is they would, because they were afraid to sail around that Peloponnesus, they would often, smaller ships would be, uh, small vessels could be drug across this Dolkovus here. This is a kind of a paved uh, path, a paved road, as you can see, that they built in ancient times to move cargo and ships across this isthmus. And they would, you know, use some sort of uh, logs or something to put a, a small vessel on and roll it across here. Other vessels, they would unload the cargo and put it on, uh, you know, unload the cargo and then load it on a different ship over there. Anything they could <laughs> to keep from going around the kind of stormy seas there. It's, you know, it's hard to, when you look back there, you don't, you don't know that, but this is, this is a little treacherous around here. And so anything to kind of avoid that. So they actually built this paved Dolkalus here, this little paved path here. And there it is, uh, Dolkalus uh, south of the canal and still there today. Um, what about the uh, culture here? Let's talk a little bit about that. I say here the city survived, uh, cultivated various arts and was famous for its pottery, brass, and architecture. So uh, a lot of places in the ancient East uh, had brass gates and brass uh, things that were made in Corinth, uh, uh, famous for its architecture and pottery. I say every two years, the Isthmian Games were held right here in Isthmia, one of the suburbs. Now the Olympic games were the big games. They were held over here in, uh, over here uh, in, uh, in Olympia every four years. They were the big games, but there were other games throughout, uh, uh, throughout Greece. And one of them were the Isthmian games held every two years. Uh, and people came from all over the world to, um, to watch these games. I mean, it's like going to the Super Bowl. You know, people come from all over the world to go to the Super Bowl. Well, people came from all the world. The Emperor Nero um, was he? He was a he was a, he was a lover of these games. And when he came to the games, he won every gold medal. He won. I shouldn't say gold medal. He won the first prize in every contest. You say, how did he do that? He didn't actually enter any, but they said because of who, you know, he was the God, he was the emperor God, that he would have won. So they gave him all the first places. <laughs> so there you go. So this was Ismia here. And uh, this was, this was, uh, this is sanctuary of Poseidon, the God of Poseidon was, who was dedicated to. And uh, this is the starting line for the, one of the foot races, the foot race here some people getting ready to run the race here. A Roman bathhouse there at Isthmia and so forth. So uh, this was held every two years, probably held in AD 51. Paul was probably there in AD 51. Uh, and uh, 
so, you know, he makes those references, you know, in first Corinthians chapter nine, he talks about, you know, beating a boxing. He uses the boxing metaphor in first, first, first Corinthians nine, the boxing metaphor, uh, you know, I fight, I don't beat the air. And, and he talks, he uses the running metaphor. I run the race, run uh, to gain the prize and so forth. So, you know, that's, it makes a lot of sense. Paul was probably maybe there. Now, what did, what did these people do when they went to these games? There was no holiday inns to stay in. They stayed in tents. So one, you know, you can, you can, you know, kind of think in your own mind, well, Paul was a, you know, he was involved as a leather worker, a tent maker. Maybe he, maybe Paul was uh, involved making some tents for the games there in 51. Who knows? Here is the, uh, Let's talk a little about, about morals and religion uh, here. Uh, Corinth had a reputation as one of the most wicked cities of the Roman Empire. The chief deity was Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Most every city, you know, in a Greek city, had a was was had a personal god, goddess. Athens had Athena, so forth. Um, and uh, Corinth, Aphrodite. Her temple was on the top of Acro Corinth and was the center of sacred prostitution. It's hard to understand sacred prostitution, but yes, they, as part of the worship of the goddess, prostitution was involved. And sexual immorality was really abounded in Corinth. If you, if you go there, as I mentioned, you can see on the stones on the streets, advertisements for prostitutes right on the streets. So it was a very wicked city, you know. We think we're living in a wicked age, and we are, but it's pretty bad back then too. Here's the temple of Acre. The temple has been destroyed. There's nothing left, you know, to look at there. People go up there, but there's nothing left of the temple. Let's talk about uh, Paul's contacts with the church. Exactly, how did Paul? Establish a church. How did he? How did that happen? How did it get going? Um, so let's uh, let's kind of trace his history there. I say Paul established the church on his second missionary journey in the fall of A.D. fifty, spending eighteen months in Corinth. Now we know from the text of the scriptures here that I've cited that he spent eighteen months there, a year and a half. And uh, he, he starts on his second missionary journey. His first missionary journey, uh, we talked about, he, he, he went from Antioch to Seleucia, Seleucia, sailed down to Salamis, then to Paphos, up here to Pamphylia, and then he goes to Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derbe, retraces his steps and sails back here. That's his first missionary journey. It's into the southern part of Galatia here. Now on his second journey, he's going to take a different way through the Cilician gates here. There's a pass through these mountains, through the Tarsus mountains here. Paul takes that and he comes back into Galatia again in Acts chapter 16. This is his second missionary journey. And he revisits the churches that he established on his second missionary journey says he traveled through Phrygia and Galatia. Phrygia is a geographical area here, Galatia, the provincial name here. 
So he revisits those churches he established in Acts 13 and Acts 14. Uh, remember, he and uh, Barnabas had a split, and Barnabas sails back, you know, to Cyprus uh, with Mark, and so they, they, Paul takes Silas and goes back this way to Galatia again. And then Paul wants to go to Ephesus here. He, that's the natural place to go. Paul is interested in evangelizing the major uh, cities and uh, presenting the gospel in these larger population areas. So Ephesus is the capital of the province of Asia here, a big, big city. And so he wants to go there. And so he just heads out that way, but he was directed by the Holy Spirit not to go to Asia, you know. So he decides he's gonna go up here into Bithynia and in this area up here and, and the Spirit directs him not to go there. So you remember in Acts 16, he goes over to Troas, and he's sort of waiting there uh, as to what exactly to do, and he gets this Macedonian call to come over to Macedonia, the province of Macedonia here, and help us. And so he has that vision, you remember, in Acts 16 to go over, and so he does. Uh, at this time, uh, he's got uh, Paul uh, and uh, Silas and Timothy and Luke joins him here. Now, I didn't mention, but back in, when he's back in Galatia, he picked up Timothy in Acts 16 to join him. And then in the book of Acts, the we section start right here. It says, we went over. Luke says that. Luke is writing as a we. we. We decided we're going to go over and help these people. So now you've apparently got four people here, Paul, Silas, uh, 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 Timothy, and Luke. So they go over, they first land at this island of Thamothrace here. They make this uh, um, fairly quickly, a couple of days, and they, they come over to the port of Philippi, Neapolis, and then they come into Philippi, Acts 16, you remember. And you remember the story of the Philippian jailer, Lydia first, you know, Paul, the woman from Thyatira over here who is at Philippi, and then the Philippian jailer, the, the demon-possessed girl, the Philippian jailer, and so forth. And Paul moves out to Thessalonica. Well, he's, he's thrown out of the town, really. They arrest him and put him in prison, then he leaves. He goes to Thessalonica, and he gets thrown out of Thessalonica eventually too. You know? And he goes to Berea, you remember, and he's okay there. And uh, remember that talks about they searched the scriptures to, to uh, find out if what Paul was saying was true. Now remember in our, if you were in the, between the Testament class, they were searching the Septuagint, if you remember that. They, these people were Greek speaking. So they weren't searching the Hebrew Old Testament. They were searching the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament to see what Paul says about the Messiah and all that's really true. And Paul uh, comes down to Athens in Acts 17 and not much, you know, outward success there. A few people are converted. Remember, he goes to the Areopagus or Mars Hill, <clears throat> and then he travels over to Corinth in Acts 18 and uh, verse 1. And I say that's, uh, you know, about AD 50. He spends about uh, 18 
18 months there. Um, how do we know exactly, I, I mentioned how we know the timeline here exactly, because in Acts chapter 18, it says that, you know, after Paul has established the church, he eventually uh, gets into trouble again with some, the authorities and they bring him sort of to trial before the consul, the Roman proconsul. So this uh, Corinth is a Roman province, a, a senatorial province, which is governed, Achaia is, I should say, Achaia is a senatorial province governed by a proconsul who's a who's somebody of a senatorial rank, a high-ranking Roman, who is the governor, the proconsul of Achaia. His name is Gallio. We know his name, Acts 18. But we know him from history. He's a very famous Roman, quite well known. And we know that he becomes proconsul on July the 1st, AD 51. So we, the, the, figuring all these timelines out, it looks like Paul probably came in about AD 50, and he has a ministry there, uh, AD 51, he gets taken before Gallio, and he probably leaves about AD 52, he's there for 18 months. So we know that Paul comes in the fall of AD 50, we believe, establishes the church, meets Gallio in the summer of AD 51 probably, and leaves in AD 52, and goes back over here to Ephesus as we'll see, excuse me. Um, so after he uh, be here, Paul sailed from Corinth in the spring of AD 52 with Priscilla and Aquila. Remember when he's at Corinth, he meets Priscilla and Aquila. They were people, refugees from Rome. They had been kicked out of Rome because uh, uh, Claudius, the emperor, had expelled all the Jews from Rome. And so they had to leave in 49, he expelled them and they were, they came over to Corinth, I guess, to do business. They were in the same profession, leather workers, tent makers as Paul was. And you remember Paul found them. They, they, it doesn't say they, um, Paul led them to Christ. It apparently they were already Christians. And uh, so Paul stays with them and they become his missionary partners. And so when he leaves and goes to Ephesus, you remember he'd originally wanted to go to Ephesus, but he's sailing over to Ephesus and he sails with Priscilla and Aquila. He stops there briefly and he leaves them there in Ephesus and he travels uh, himself back to Jerusalem, uh, landing in Caesarea. And then he goes down to visit the church in Jerusalem and ultimately comes back to Antioch, and that completes his second missionary journey. Now, <clears throat> we're talking about Paul's third missionary journey. Paul has established the church of Corinth, and he hasn't written any letters to them yet. He just established the church and so forth. He was there for a year and a half, set up a church. He's left. Um, and now he's back in Antioch, and he's going to start out on a third missionary journey. And this one starts out just like the second missionary journey. He goes back to Antioch, the region of Galatia and Phrygia, revisits the church there, the churches that he established on his first missionary journey. But this time he does go straight back to Ephesus where Priscilla and Aquila, remember he left them there, and he stays there for three years, according to Acts 20, 31. 
and has quite an important ministry there. Um, you remember he does a lot of things there. He establishes a school uh, and uh, he, he, uh, he teaches there every day in the school of Tyrannus. Uh, maybe rents a room or something and teaches people. And many people think this is where the, the churches of Revelation two and three are established because all those churches in Asia Minor here, you know, that are mentioned in Acts two and three, back when we were studying Revelation, they're all in this area here. And it could be that these were people who uh, Paul, one of the Lord, went back to these areas and established churches. That we know one of them, Colossae, for instance, right over here in this area, uh, was established uh, by one of Paul's disciples. So Paul has a tremendous ministry there in Ephesus uh, for three years. <clears throat> now, I say here, uh, D, a previous letter, now lost, was written by Paul dealing with the church's responsibility towards its sinning brethren. The letter is not extant. Extant means we don't have it. You know, it's not existing and known to exist but its contents are summarized and clarified in 1 Corinthians 5, 19 through 13. So Paul mentions this previous letter in 1 Corinthians. Now we haven't got to 1 Corinthians yet. Paul's in Ephesus. He's going to write 1 Corinthians, but we haven't got there yet. He writes a letter that is not in the canon. Now we shouldn't be surprised at that. There's only 13 letters in the Bible written by the apostle Paul. But, you know, it's reasonable and certainly expected that Paul wrote more than 13 letters in his life. Remember, he couldn't pick up the phone. He couldn't text anybody, couldn't email anybody. The way he had to correspond was by sending letters. And so he probably wrote many, many letters, but only certain ones God wanted in the Bible, the canon of Scripture, and uh, so he wrote a letter. He says, I wrote to you in my previous letter. I'm putting that in there, but that's what the implication is. Not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, when you read that discussion, you'll see that they have misunderstood what Paul was saying, or they have twisted what Paul was saying. Because Paul was saying, don't associate with sexually immoral people. And somebody was coming back and saying, well, wait a minute, Paul, what do you mean by that? I mean, we, we live in Corinth. You know, I, I work at this place and there's all kinds of sexually immoral people working at this, working at the, at the local chariot factory, you know, uh, there are, there are all kinds of sexually immoral people working at this local chariot factory. What am I supposed to do? Quit my job. And Paul says, and Paul says, no, you, you know what I meant. And you know what I meant was that don't associate with sexually immoral people who are claimed to be Christians. That is, you shouldn't have sexually immoral people in the church, you know, who are just known to be sexually immoral and they're not repentant. They're living in sinful uh, sin, open sin. You know, and he has a case of that, you remember, because the case of incest there in the church. So he wrote them in this previous letter, you know, about that. So Paul wrote a previous letter dealing with, you know, these sinning brethren. 
We don't know all about it, but its contents are kind of summarized in this passage from 9 through 13. I won't go through all of it here, the time we have. So there's one letter he wrote to Corinth. We're pretty certain about that. Um, now, E here, um, word then came to Paul. I'm trying to trace his contacts. Paul establishes the church. He goes back to Antioch. He, he, goes, he, he comes to Ephesus, stays there three years. And in the meantime, he's corresponding with the Corinthians, the church he established on his second missionary journey. So he writes that a letter, and then word comes to Paul at Ephesus from the house of Chloe and probably from Apollos regarding the Corinthians. He also received a letter from the church, perhaps delivered by Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus, who may have been and may have waited for a response. Um, so he says in 1 Corinthians 1.11, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So Paul wrote that previous letter. Now he's gotten some information. People from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Now we don't know exactly who these people are. We don't know who they are. And we don't actually know where they're from. Are they, are they people from Ephesus who visited Corinth? Or are they Corinthians, friends of Paul's? We don't know. He also mentions Apollos. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. So Apollos uh, has, has gone to Corinth. Now, we know that because uh, when Paul comes to Ephesus, uh, Apollos has been there and he's gone to Corinth, it says. So we know he was in Corinth. So Paul probably got information from him. 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now for the matters you wrote about. So, okay. So when we get to 1 Corinthians 7, Paul has this expression, for the matters you wrote about, for the matters you wrote about. And he begins answering questions or responding to things they wrote in his letter to him. So he writes a letter to them. We don't have that letter. They, he gets information from the church from various sources Verse 16, 17, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived. They have supplied what was lacking. So people come from Corinth, and now they get a letter, and that's, that's dealing with chapter 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and so forth. Paul continuously, continually refers to the letter they wrote and the subjects they brought up that he has to deal with in, that, uh, in this 1 Corinthian, in 1 Corinthians letter. So we got the previous letter. We've got we got First Corinthians. We got uh, we got uh, these contacts, and now um, now we have First Corinthians. I say in F. Paul then writes First Corinthians from Ephesus in AD fifty four. That should be fifty five. I made a mistake there, just for what it's worth. It's, you know, make much difference to anybody. But uh, so you can see on the chart here, we've got letter one written from Ephesus about AD 54. That's the 1 Corinthians 5-9 letter. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to a previous letter, previous letter, letter one. And then he writes 1 Corinthians from Ephesus. He's in Ephesus this whole time uh, in around AD 55. That's the canonical 1 Corinthians. So he writes 1 Corinthians. About that time, 
Paul sent Timothy to Macedonia and then on to Corinth. So Paul's having, not only writing letters, he's having contacts. He's sending people over to Corinth. Corinth has got some problems. It's got some difficulties. Paul's trying to sort these out. And so if you read some of these passages here, I won't go into all of them. He sends Timothy to assist you know, with their problems. But he wasn't sure whether Timothy would arrive before or after the church would receive 1 Corinthians, he talks about. Now, G here, Paul's correction in 1 Corinthians did not have the desired effect. So we, if you study 1 Corinthians, you'll see Paul is laying out various issues and correcting various things in the church, but it doesn't solve all the problems. Um, and and, and the, uh, didn't have the desired effect, and the relationship between him and the church apparently deteriorated. A painful visit was undertaken by Paul from Ephesus to Corinth in AD 55. This gets a little complicated. And, you know, it's, uh, boy, that's really the wrong chart there. Let's, I guess I, <laughs> I don't know what happened to that. Uh, I guess I messed up. I got, I put up the wrong thing. <laughs> Sorry. The error should go the other way. Anyway, Paul's in Ephesus and he decides to make a visit over there. Now this visit is not in the book of Acts. So Paul is in Ephesus. As far as the book of Acts is concerned, Paul's in Ephesus for three years. And then we'll see what happens when Paul leaves Ephesus. He goes back to Corinth. But he's in Ephesus for this three years. He writes that first letter. He writes 1 Corinthians. Still the church is troubled. So he makes a visit. I've just got the error turned the wrong way on that. Should be Ephesus to Corinth. Paul makes a painful visit. Now you say, how do we know that? The book of Acts doesn't say it. We don't know it for certain, but it seems likely given if you read what 2 Corinthians is telling us. And we'll see that when we read 2 Corinthians. He says, so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. And you say, okay, so Paul's talking about a previous visit. What previous visits has Paul made? Well, the only one in the book of Acts is when he established the church at Corinth in Acts 18. Now, if you're reading between the lines and reading what the 2 Corinthians says, it doesn't sound like what Paul is describing in the 2 Corinthians is, first Corinth, is the establishment of the church in Acts 18. It, that's the first visit that Paul made. He establishes a church in Acts 18. And now he's writing to them saying, I'm not going to make another painful visit to you. So, no, this is, uh, this is not the original visit. Paul is writing 2 Corinthians after he has made a second visit, not recorded in the book of Acts. He says... Uh, I'm not, I don't want to make another painful visit to you. So a painful visit was undertaken by Paul from Ephesus to Corinth in AD 55. This visit is not mentioned in Acts, but seems to be required by the data in 2 Corinthians. Paul refers to his next coming as his third one. So Paul's in Ephesus. He says, now I'm ready to visit you for the third time. 
Well, see, if you went by the book of Acts, you would, the next visit we see in the book of Acts, we're going to see that next visit shortly, is the second visit in the book of Acts. But Paul says it's the third visit. I'm ready to visit you for the third time, he says. And he talks about what he's going to do. I'm afraid when I come again, God may humble me before I'll be grieved over many who have sinned and not repented of impurity. This will be my third visit to you. So uh, it's very clear that uh, Paul is uh, writing in 2 Corinthians, and he says, I'm going to come to you for the third time. So he's made another visit, and it's called, we call it the painful visit. It was painful because some person or persons in the church attacked Paul and challenged his authority. Now, we'll get that from 2 Corinthians. So Paul's in Ephesus. He travels over to Corinth, trying to get things straightened out, and he gets attacked by a person or persons. And there's a big kind of blow up. Now I'm reading between the lines here, but this is what seems to be required. And Paul leaves and goes back to Ephesus. That's what I say here in H. Returning to Ephesus, Paul wrote a severe letter, which Titus carried, 2 Corinthians 2.18. So there is what we think of as letter number three, <laughs> a severe letter. Um, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed. Uh, verse chapter seven, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it, though I did regret it. This is not first Corinthians. So it gets a little confusing. Sorry here, but this is what we think is happening. After Paul writes first Corinthians, he makes that visit over to Corinth, painful visit. He comes back and he writes what's called the severe letter that refers that's referred to in Second Corinthians. We haven't got to Second Corinthians yet. Probably writes that in about AD 56. Um, this was carried, as I say, uh, which Titus carried. 70. Being, uh, this is a uh, I here, being impatient for Titus's return. Paul left Ephesus for Troas and then went to Macedonia where he finally met Titus and received good news. So Paul's in Ephesus. He's been there for three years. He's made a visit over to, to Corinth. Didn't go well. He's written a letter, written two letters over there. Uh, now three letters now. He's written he's, uh, two let, uh, three letters now. He's written the letter before 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and now this severe letter he's written. And he's, he's waiting to hear what their response is from Titus, who took the letter over there. Timothy went over there first, and apparently things didn't go too well. He sends Titus over there with this letter, this severe letter, and he's waiting to hear what's happening with Titus. And so... Uh, he becomes the second Corinthians talks about when I went, I went to Troas. So Paul says, I was anxious to find out what your response was to this severe letter that I wrote. And so uh, Paul goes to Troas 
And finally, he goes to Macedonia. He sets out for Macedonia. And there he meets Titus in 2 Corinthians 2, 12, 13. I won't take time to read all that right now. We'll look at it. He meets Titus and he gets good news. Good news. The Corinthians have responded very positively to this severe letter. Things, it's kind of healed the breach now between them and so forth. And uh, so um, I say here, he received good news that the church had punished the offender, but the Corinthians were still upset with Paul about his changed travel plans. We'll see that. And also Paul is now being attacked by a group of itinerant Jewish false teachers. We'll see that in 2 Corinthians 12 and so forth. So uh, I've got the wrong place on there. I see that. It should be Macedonia. Sorry. Uh, it was then that Paul wrote 2 Corinthians from Macedonia. So Paul is in Macedonia. Now, where is he at? Well, I, I don't know where he was at. It doesn't say. Uh, probably Philippi. Could be Thessalonica. Those are all the, these are all places where Paul established churches, but so we don't really know where he was at, but just to, you know, maybe Philippi, that's certainly a favorite church. But he's, he's at Macedonia, and Titus comes up from Corinth and greets, meets him there, and he gets this good news. And um, th this should say Macedonia. He writes 2 Corinthians from Macedonia, uh, possibly Philippi in AD 56. Another visit to Corinth was undertaken where Paul spent three winter months. And so Paul uh, then in Acts chapter 20, that's beyond our second Corinthian study, goes to uh, Greece. It says he goes to Greece and uh, he spends three months there. He writes mass, he writes second Corinthians up here, he goes here and from here he writes Romans. And then he goes back to, to Jerusalem to, and that's the end of his third missionary journey. He gets arrested there and so forth. Okay, I know that's, uh, that's a little confusing, but that's where we're at. So Paul has written four letters to these people that we know of. It's a really a troubled church, a lot of difficulties. And we're going to see it in the 2 Corinthians. You can see as we look at this, this is Paul's most, uh, most intimate look at the Apostle Paul. And you can see he's very troubled. Uh, he he kind of reveals his soul here that he was very, very troubled by what was happening in Corinth. He really grieved about the sin and what was going on. And he just lays that all out here in 2 Corinthians. So we'll see that as we go along here. But we will stop here for tonight. And I will take any questions if you have any. Uh,